You're listening to The Andrew Miller Show. This episode, we're talking with Delilah Barrios, Green Party candidate for governor of Texas. Coming from a working class background, Delilah grew up in Brownsville, Texas, and moved all over the state to places all over the coast. She has seen firsthand the before and after difference from the BP oil spill that happened in the Gulf, along with the disastrous effects of fracking. Her stances on other issues include legalizing recreational marijuana, criminal justice reform, Medicare for all, marriage equality, reproductive rights, Second Amendment rights, and a basic income guarantee. You can read more about it at DelilahForTexas.com. That's spelled D-E-L-I-L-A-H-F-O-R-T-E-X-A-S.com. DelilahForTexas.com. For now, let's hear what she has to say. Hello, Delilah. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Hello, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, I'm doing okay. Thanks. All right. Excellent. So uh, what motivated you to run for governor of Texas and why the Green Party? (laughs) Good question. Um, The motivation is actually a form of uh, desperation, I'll say, honestly. Uh, I'm really tired of politics not functioning for the people and the state specifically. So uh, go big or go home. I'm already home. This is my state too. So yeah, I I really kind of have met my end with uh, the way things are going and the status quo. So, you know, my my family and I and my community have always been kind of involved in um, not simply politics, but, you know, ecology and protecting our environment and offering decent communities for our families, you know, stuff like that. We're all involved in this fight, um, but we're often not represented. And so that was a a big driving factor for me. And the Green Party ticket just was a natural fit. Um, I I identify as Indigenous and Latina. And um, because I was raised by sections of both communities. Um, And so it's important to me to understand and it's important for people to understand that I was raised in a way that I know that there not there has to be a balance that exists in the world. There has to be a sense of honor and respect on your path, and I'm trying to do that. All right, excellent. And I know you mentioned about the ecology. One thing I did read on your site, you know, it was something that yeah, when it happened years ago, yeah, it made big news and everything, and you know, a lot of people were all up in arms about it. The, you know, the BP oil spill that took place in the Gulf, but it yeah. sounds like it, it, but it, it hit home for you. I mean, I see that, you know, it's not the same anymore and the Gulf is generally warmer, but with pollution and climate change, you know, the water isn't as cool and refreshing as it once was. And when you take your kids to visit, they end up with tar on their shins from running through the dunes and the sediment of the oil is still there. So that actually paints like a more closer to home picture for people rather than just uh, some body of water has filmed from the sky. Oh, oil spilled there. Like big deal. Don't get me wrong. But like hearing how like, yeah, this actually affects people and how much of a 
before and after difference there is and just seeing that firsthand is I mean, was that something that also motivated you to get involved? Um, yes, we're no strangers to environmental racism. Um, every place I've lived, uh, I've been exposed to it. So um, more recently, Kinder Morgan put a pipeline through the Hill Country and we have Karst Springs um, in that area. It's, it's really, if you've ever driven through Texas, it's um, sometimes when you see those those long stretches of land with oak trees and rolling hills gives you just a good sense of belonging and um and to see the the video of people of them just ripping up trees old oak trees Mm. and and contaminating their water i mean most people like to believe themselves as shielded from this sort of thing but the push right now is for more of that they the the oil executives and all those people, their agenda, they have plenty of pipelines that they don't even take care of all over the wow. country. If you look wherever you're living, I encourage people to look up um, pipeline projects proposed and existing in their area. And you'll see it's a wide network all over. So there's no need for more, but in their push for greed and, and power and control, they want to expand even further. Like they've all, they've got more than they need. And so, you know, the community did try to rise up against them and we did not win. We were not successful. And, and that's a lesson to learn. We can't give, you know what I'm saying? What we're doing isn't enough. We need to elect people who are going to stand firm against these industries and, and prioritize people having, you know, a decent environment to live in. It's not that hard, but a lot, there are very few people willing to not take money from these corporations. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's important that people stand up to it. And sometimes it's just a matter of you know, getting everybody to unite, everyone in the community to unite and stand up against it. I know my last guest uh, is in Pennsylvania running for office there, and he was heavily involved in a movement to stop fracking from happening where he lived because they saw firsthand what it was doing to the the water, oh, yeah. the area. And if you even watch that documentary, Gasland, you see how people are able to light their own water on fire. So yeah, it's a very yeah. corrosive, I mean, practice. I remember, <laughs> I don't know why people are still talking about Hillary Clinton, but every time I, I hear her, I hear her talking about clean coal and it just kind of irritates me. <laughs> oh my god and people are like you're not a serious candidate and it's like actually some of your folks are not very serious either i have yet to see them stand firm on anything so you know i think that being in green party it does have the benefit that i don't have to water myself down to be accepted in our community so <laughs> that is one thing but yeah no fracking is terrible we had a uh, a county that was basically run out of water dry because of fracking operations Ooh. and you know lots of times the town will come together and they'll say we don't want this stop doing this and they just get overrun you know by this by these polluters and oh wow toxic industries yeah yeah and i'm sure uh, the incumbent greg abbott is 
his camp i'm guessing his campaigns are funded by a lot of these companies oh yeah heavily heavily and he's a bigot to boot so oh yeah definitely (laughs) you know it's hard people think i'm just being cruel but i'm like that's a factual statement this man has no willingness to learn so yeah (laughs) and yeah greg abbott's terrible he's a terrible um politician but he has a very dedicated base and if you're not from here you it doesn't make any sense at all but when he was um you know in the past he had done things that did help people and and people remember those things they're not really paying attention to the day-to-day stuff like we are yeah so that's that is part of why it's hard you know wow and is a democratic candidate uh what's what's their situation are they taking a lot of the same uh money from the same donors as well uh mr o'rourke yeah oh yeah oh yeah beto i know historically in the past he has but they have their own packs and things now so it, it feels a little bit Mm, difficult to track it really pinpoint it yeah so currently i wouldn't know but he did in the past yes yeah yeah because overall and i know i've mentioned this on other episodes but uh in when he he did run against ted cruz for the senate spot and lost but while ted cruz was the number one recipient of oil and gas money right there next to him at number two uh, beto o'rourke Right, right. Yeah. I know he runs on this whole fix the grid issue, but lacks any substance behind that policy. Because, and I've been talking about that policy for over, you know, for years now. I mean, I'm not new to podcasts. <laughs> so I, yeah. I just, uh, you know, I am pretty much blacked out from the media, though. Like it, they just, we're, we're non-existent, but we're on the ballot. And well, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really glad. You know, I had to file and pay a fee, I think, in November. And then we didn't have yeah. our convention until April to certify the nomination. So yeah. our, it, we're already up against a lot. Anyway. Yeah, I hear the fee is ridiculous. Yeah, so I have a job still. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I know this isn't my career, uh, taking poor people's money. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to give them a voice. Oh, All definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because I had other two guests on the show who who are also running as Greens in Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. Alfred Mollison for land commissioner and Hunter Crow for railroad commissioner. Yeah. yeah and, and when they told me about like the filing fee, yeah, that kind of that blew my mind a little bit. Oh, it yeah. shouldn't surprise me, but because I know in other states, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, getting a certain amount of signatures. Um, there was definitely, you can uh, do the signature requirement, but you have to consider this is in the height of COVID. Um, yeah. And the number for signatures was astronomical, that that this actually was, you know, the best path for us. <laughs> so, it, yeah. you know, they make it hard on purpose. Oh, no, they totally do. Yeah. And Hunter, uh, he's been a long time green and and so has Alfred. They're both very dedicated people and um i do i do respect them a great deal and i'm happy to vote for them and 
support them because I mean we the railroad commissioner and land commissioner positions especially because of the exploitation of these industries pipelines and things like that go straight through um the RRC so it's a really important position and I really hope that people vote for him as well as all of us oh definitely and I know we mentioned uh Beto a little while back and based on what he gets the most attention for on the news. So I understand, you know, any political party can be a big tent and having nonviolence as a key value doesn't have to mean, you know, that you're anti-gun or pro-gun or anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as your take on the second, on second amendment rights, uh, on your site, you say a free people must have the right to bear arms. Then you go on to quote uh, A.E. Saman, Civil wars happen when the victimized are armed. Genocide happens when they are not. Now, do you find others in your party to part ways with you on that? Or is that not really a divisivist issue in Texas, you know, despite the recent school shooting or the kind of attention that Beto O'Rourke has gained over the years on that issue? Uh, most poor and working class people that I talk to do not feel comfortable losing any more of their rights and you have okay. to consider women in the state and people in the state are uh, we don't have medical rights and we haven't since last year so um it, we're sending people out of the state to get abortions and out of the state to make sure they don't bleed to death or die oh, yeah. um so I am very, and, and historically, even before I was even involved with, like as a politician, people were not comfortable with the idea of losing their rights. There's a very strong um, focus in this state, especially to have private citizens' rights. We're one of the last few states that have a lot of private landowners still. Um, and I think it's because of these reasons. Um, so yes. As, as far as um, trying to lie to people about where my priorities lie, um, I just try to expand further on why my priorities are probably in line with yours. Because I am for a peaceful revolution and I am sure. somebody who, who believes in nonviolence, but I also know that the people who who do most of the violence are very well armed. And that concerns a lot of people, people you wouldn't think. I know, I mean, there's like mom groups that have guns. There's a lot of kids and in, um, in classes and training and things like that. I think legislatively, we do have an obligation to make it less likely that these things happen. And, um, you know, I, I am a big supporter of community police. I would, sure. I would rather somebody in my community that I know come to my house when I need help than, you know, an armed police officer. And that's part of the fear that a lot of people, especially black and brown communities have to deal with. George Floyd died and everyone saw. Yeah. And that caused such an uprising and disruption and I, I, it's not a stretch to understand that people want to be armed. They want, the, you know, they want to make sure that they're safe. Most people, sure. when they say they're buying weapons, is because they want, they want safety, and that's very understandable. 
It is understandable. So, yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if um, Mr. O'Rourke is dedicated to any specific cause personally, um, especially because he endorsed Biden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, for me, it's just theater. I think that he's just all theatrics. And I think that um, you really have to have a pulse on the situation by being in the situation that everybody else is in to understand why a lot of us feel the way we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, the whole like gun issue is something I is is like is one thing that I'm like very like moderate on. It's one that I don't really get too fired up about as others do. Yeah, because yeah, you know, it's like because I mean, because even when it comes to defense, I mean, yeah, you have to. Under, I mean, everyone's yeah, you know, gotta understand. I mean, yeah, not everybody can be the Incredible Hulk. Not everybody can be Chuck Norris. You know, what I mean, so yeah, <laughs> I, I understand the whole like defense aspect of it. And yeah. I mean, so should somebody be able to just walk in the store and walk out with a machine gun like it's nothing? Eh, I don't know about that, but, you know, so I've always been somewhat moderate on it. Like, all right, I mean, maybe in some cases, I guess, you know, the background check thing and, um, yeah, you know, things like that. I mean, I try to understand some regular having some regulation involved, but, but, it, but it's not just that itself that's the problem because there could be other places where you know, gun ownership is, uh, well, even in Canada, you know, guns aren't completely banned, you know, people there own them. And there's other yeah. parts of the world where people do, and they're not having the same problem. So no, a lot I of guess. it does stem from something from other things too. There's that a systemic, yes, there's a systemic part to that problem. I actually had asked for Matthew McConaughey's endorsement before, and I'm, I'm going to keep doing it um, because he, <laughs> he was, you know, considering running for a bit and, um, as far as I know, I'm the only Indigenous uh, candidate on the ballot. So uh, I, I, there's a there's a history to our country, and and you know, with all of the paranoid people being against books and things like that, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to find a common thread somewhere. And if and I I think that um, me being realistic about what I'm willing to to promote myself on is is fair is i'm not i would i never like my dad's a biker i'm not yeah. are you kidding me uh we're not going to talk about banning anything like that i think it's a that's a reactionary step and and does nothing to address the the root problems and the systemic problems inherent in our society um and yeah there might be some people in the party that may not agree with me on that but I know that there's something that they do agree with me on, and I know that they're willing to still work with me. So I feel like that says a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what matters most, the things that you agree on, the things that you could unite on and have solidarity with and move on from there. Yeah, yeah, like the real issues and what things really stem from, definitely. Wow. And uh, are you able to campaign a lot this season at all? Like going around the state. I mean, Texas is a huge state, so it's <laughs> it is a big state. It is. Um, yeah. you know, that is why a lot of my efforts are around independent media, because they're the only ones who are willing to give me any platform at all. So I, I really do build um, on my network there. As far as like in-person events, <laughs> when I do things, um, the media just can just I'm invisible to them you know uh so like I've done 
quite a few events um, and we just kind of get covered up. Like we did a Medicare for all March last summer mm. and uh, you know, DSA was like, we're doing our own thing. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But I haven't heard them talking about Medicare for all this whole time. I've been consistent there. Um, yeah. Can you hear me? I hear you now. Okay, sorry. Yeah. What was the last bit you heard? Uh, yeah, you said uh, you're doing a Medicare for all event. DSA said they're doing their own thing, and you haven't heard anything from them regarding that issue. Right, like their candidates. So <clears throat> I, as a Green Party candidate, I've extended an olive branch to other candidates who want to, you know, participate in direct action or any kind of organizing um, because it's the issues. We need more people to advocate for themselves on these issues. We need these issues to always be at the front of the conversation. So I've been willing to work with people across party lines, um, even the Dems, and they refuse to do the same with me. And that's fine because we probably have different interests. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, the general issue that I face is that when I do go out into the public, it's, it's very much kind of looked over like I went to Corpus Sunrise movement was there they saw me there I brought my kids we went to protest we went to pray um spoke to the community you know um and it's just it's like I'm an inconvenience to them and I'm like that is why I am here right now because I am not convenient and the truth isn't convenient about people like myself and that's just too damn bad <laughs> so yeah. like we went to Houston um <clears throat> And that's the other thing is like most Green Party candidates are using some of their own money, if not all of their own money to do things like this. Um, and so we have to be impactful with what we do. And early on, I was like, we're going to do something better for the community. We're not going to come and ask them, you know, what can you do for us? And you owe us your vote and you need to do this. We have to actually show up and let them see what you're dedicated to. And so what I'm dedicated to is if we hold an event, it has to be independently owned. It has to be, you know, preferably black and brown community members that are, you know, the business owners of these things so that we show them that we're dedicated to their communities. And uh, yeah, we went, to, we went to Houston a couple of weeks ago and um, stocked up the, uh, we had an event and it was kind of like a meet and greet. So hot in Houston, it's like, yeah like melting <laughs> we try to do stuff outdoors you know because of covid and um yeah we just stocked up their community fridge with uh banh from <laughs> you know and it's like it's things like that i really want to and i see it's happening already that people are feeling like they have to be more dedicated to actually showing up versus coming by to fundraise i mean even um who is it was it nina turner i think she was talking about a general strike the other day and I was just like, hey, somebody else said it. I'm so glad, like, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I've been on this general strike bandwagon for like over a year and a half now. And uh, and like it's uh, it's important, you know what I mean? Like direct action is your greatest tool as a, as a free quote unquote public. Direct action is our, is our best tool. And if you just look at the media and the history of uh, the police, and the military brutalizing people who trying to, you know, use their their tools, civil disobedience to advocate for themselves. You'll understand why I'm so stuck on this, you know. Um, 
why it's so important. Anyway, I just, uh, yeah, it, it is a struggle, but it's a valid struggle because I think it's one of the most um, humanizing aspects of uh, being a politician. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I, there's that old quote, actions speak louder than words. And yeah, seeing action happen, seeing those who are always involved, even if it's not a big election year, you know, shows, shows you who's real and who's not. I mean, anyone could say things that sound great once every four years and then nowhere to be found during those years in between. We see, unfortunately, we see that a lot, especially among the major parties. Yeah, no consistency. No, not at, not all. at all. Yeah, and, and that's, and I see that. And it's, it's, that's why it's so hard. I, I'm really blessed to have good people in my life that are really excited to vote for me and um, excited yeah. for this opportunity you know I myself am I feel blessed to just be here and and I know I'm not going away <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying they may try to talk over me but I know what's important and um, I think that's why people trust me overall is that they know that I'm dedicated yeah and that and that's important not to go away too because you know, somebody may not have been paying attention all year long to the election until a month before it. And then, oh, they see that you're on the ballot. You know, maybe they vote for you. But like, let's just say you come back next election or, you know, well, if you win, you win. Great. But let's just say if you don't, but you run again, you know, at least they'll remember you from last time. And at least they could get involved earlier on in the season and help out then. And you could build from there. Because... Yeah. Sometimes I see, like, when it came to a, well, just the primaries, like two years ago, 2020, since that's a presidential election, of course, that's the one that has the highest turnout. So, of course, you know, that's when certain movements, like I know, like in the Democratic primary, those who support Bernie Sanders, they try to run candidates for other offices, too, on that ticket. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is where the turnouts are great. So, you know, they campaigned hard and everything. And I know where I live, you know, a lot of them lost. But my problem with that is that they haven't been seen again since then. You know, uh -huh. you know like where I live in New Jersey, we just had our primary election yesterday. And, you know, what a joke. I mean, low voter turnout for one, but, you know, makes sense considering that the Democratic primary, everybody was unopposed on my ballot. You know, so there was no need for any of the candidates to send anything in the mail or gotcha. a campaign or anything. And I'm thinking, you know, why am I the only person whose mind this is crossing? Only two years ago, 2020, you know, our con the incumbent congressman had a primary challenger. And, uh, and then there are a couple of primary challengers for county office. And these are seats up again this time. If no, I understand, you know, it costs money and signatures and time and effort to campaign. I get that. But if every, with the turnout being so low, because a lot of people think what's the use, especially the people who do vote for the incumbent every time, they're like, yeah, whatever, I'll just wait till November to vote for them. If everybody who voted for, you know, the Bernie crowd, you know, the challengers last time around, if everybody who voted that way during that last primary wrote them and wrote them in this time, because you could do that, there's personal choice, you write in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If every if all those voters did that this time, there's a good chance uh, they actually would have won this time. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, why am I the only person whose mind that crosses? But, you know, maybe I, I should have been more vocal about that earlier on in the year to get people drummed up. But it's just like, I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm like a political nerd and junkie and all that. But I guess what's common sense to me isn't common sense to people who don't follow this stuff as much. But it's just still disappointing. Like, you know, you know, it's easier to write someone in than it is to like collect signatures and raise money and and such, especially when the incumbents are not even bothering the campaign. Like this really could have been like a real upset, a real uh, real surprise. Yeah, that's it, right? You're never surprised. And, uh, and I think a lot of people are feeling demoralized and, and broken about the state of the world. You know, sure. it's like crisis after crisis after crisis. And most people just want to look forward to their yearly vacation. And, yeah. and some people don't even have a clean bed to sleep in, you know? And, and it's that, that, that further and further division that a lot of political campaigns use to advance themselves that does nothing for the rest of us. Exactly. It's, that, it's that inherent sickness involved, you know, with politics right now, I think that, that causes people to check out. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I, I do want people to use their, I, I can't, it doesn't sit well with me, people feeling powerless. No, it doesn't. Because and then I, not using your power for yourself, you know. Yeah. Because it, um, it's easy to complain about uh, the system, the establishment, and yeah, I mean, you know, we're the first ones to always do that. But sometimes, but if people are sitting out, it's like, well, you know, kind of, you're kind of letting them be the way they are too by doing by sitting out and not using the power that you have. Yeah, and I will say a lot of people, I would call them liberals are like oh that's what you get texas for being a red state like most people don't vote because most people don't actually yeah show that they care yeah, <laughs> and that, that's not on the people for being overburdened or overworked and you know what i'm saying that's yeah. on us that's on y'all for not doing due diligence with people and not actually standing for something oh <laughs> I mean, yeah that's the reality of the situation. Most people in Texas, I think it's like 60%. I don't have the chart in front of me, but most people would would rather not identify. On um, They'd rather be independent. They don't want to, to tie themselves to a political party. And for very good reason. Yeah, <laughs> for exactly. For very good reason. And the people that are saying, that's, that's the reason why you guys don't win. That is not it. It's not because people don't want to identify with politics. Why don't they want to identify? with your politics ask yourself that question exactly who are you promoting all the time to be back and forth on issues who are you upholding all the time that never is being held accountable for the things that they do that's that is such a problem that people don't speak truth to that and they don't want to acknowledge the fact that um politicians come around to lie and sell hopes and dreams and disappear after the election and most people sweat and and call and spend their hard-earned hard -earned time and their energy propping these people up for them to just turn their backs on them once they're in office exactly. and i'm glad people are not okay with that anymore more people should yeah. not be okay with that yeah it's just a matter of everyone who's not okay with that not being uh 
not falling for the divide and conquer tactics. That's all it's yes. a matter of right now. I mean, I know there's a picture, a meme that goes around on social media. It's a cartoon, has like a king on a balcony looking down at a crowd of people with pitchforks and torches. And one of the kings, uh, I don't know, someone who works for the king, like an aide or somebody, tells them, oh, you don't need to fight them. Just tell the pitchfork Pitch people that the torch people want to take away their pitchforks or go. other way around. But yeah, that's correct. If people could just overcome that, you know, yeah. then we'd be good. Like even people who agree with each other 80% of the time, you know, worry about the 20% they don't agree with later on after you win on the 80%. Otherwise, what the powers that be will do, they'll have you fighting each other over the at 20% while uh, getting you get, getting you real bad on the 80%. Correct. And the electoral yeah, maps. The divide and conquer technique yeah. has been used for so long. I, I do notice that people are kind of like, wait a minute. Um, sorry, my dog. Uh, they're, they're like, this doesn't work for me. But then they feel, you know, my I, we really try to do more empowerment and we're trying to change politics as we know it especially for the state um because because uh, there's a long history of kind of like exploiting people for for these agendas um so so yeah we definitely need people to feel empowered we need them to feel you know brave and 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 full of hope and and not for me <laughs> but for the future for them to be able to claim their future I think oh, yeah, that's, exactly. that's, it's many, many generations of being denied, you yeah. know, um, I think that have led us to this moment. And I'm just hoping that people will realize that this is a good moment. Uh, maybe even one of our last chances to really change things fundamentally, systemically, as we need to. Exactly. And it's as you said about there. everyone who's not in Texas, you know, red state, blue state and stuff. Yeah the electoral maps could be misleading because when you look at voter turnout i mean all it really means is that like if a state is blue that out of the people who actually bothered to come out and vote that only means that six out of ten of them leaned blue and voted that way that's all it means yeah i mean otherwise like even in the so-called blue state you still don't have to look far to see you know trump signs on people's front lawns or their flags you know it's Right. And then you have the amount of people who don't even bother voting and stuff. So that leaves uh, the Green Party, other third parties, independents, a, you know, a pretty big pool to uh, try to reach out to as well and to get more people to increase voter turnout and uh, get more people away from the two major parties and create real change for once. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that needs to happen, obviously. Like, exactly. um, it is hard to vote. Like, most people... When I talk about um, voting rights, they're like, why is it hard? And it's like, it is actually hard for some people. You know, you have to certify that yeah. you have a disability to vote by mail in the state. I mean, yeah. who knows how many things get thrown out? I, I understand the concerns sure. as far as, as, as votes um, not yeah. being counted and things like that. I do. Yeah. There's a lot we could do to make it better. You know, right. in this scope, in this moment, the best I can do is offer to be on the ballot, to be here for you guys. <laughs> exactly. Struggle with you. Um, yeah, there's so much that a governor um, can do to, to yeah. transform, you know, how the state operates. And that's that's a big push for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or to be beholden 
to these establishments and corporations. They're not beholden to the people anymore. No, they're not. So as we uh, wrap up here, is there anything uh, that you'd like to plug or anything that you want to let people know real quick? Um, I generally try to plug this book called The Red Deal by the Red Nation. Um, it's not mm. a very long read, but I think that it's a good start for um, understanding some of the systemic problems and and uh, and realizing some of the further solutions. And I just am begging people to talk to your friends and family about this. Talk to your friends and family about why you think Green Party is a good path for you. Um, what you want your future to look like and how you want to see that happen. And uh, please vote for me this November. All right, excellent. Well, Delilah, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the show. And yeah, good luck this November. Thanks so much, Andrew. You take care. Definitely. Again, the campaign site is DelilahForTexas.com. Be sure to sign petitions of candidates you like running in your area to be on the ballot if they haven't achieved the signature requirement yet. It's important to have more than just two choices who tend to answer to the same special interests and instead allow more options outside of that. To find more Green Party candidates running in this year's general election, visit gp.org. If interested in finding candidates from the Libertarian Party in this year's election, you can find them at lp.org. Or for any other parties or independents running in your area, keep your eyes and ears peeled. There are sites like Ballotpedia and Vote411 that can sometimes be helpful. To hear more episodes of The Andrew Miller Show, future or previous, Find The Andrew Miller Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms such as Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Overcast. You can also follow The Andrew Miller Show on Facebook. Remember, let's move forward together, and for now, peace out.